interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Well, good morning. Today is Tuesday, August 1st, and we have one heck of a show planned today. Um, by way of introduction, I am Grace's dad, and my daughter Grace is the reason behind this because as part of her hospital murder, that murder empowered me to wake up, and I have become awake to quite an agenda, and the main thing I've been woken up to is how programmed I have been. So that's why this podcast is called Deep Programming with Grace's Dad. And for those of you who have been following, you know that I always like to tie in things about Grace with the guest, and uh, today's no exception. I can't always do that, but I found a couple of things that I have never shown publicly that will, I think, be be a great introduction to the wonderful guests that I have today. So, Don, can you first bring up the uh, palette of Fresh Step cat litter, please? All right. So this, this is related because normally before COVID, you know, COVID, of course, we can divide a room with all kinds of things. But before COVID, there was really only a couple things you could divide a room with. You know, we could divide a room with uh, Republican versus Democrat, or we could divide a room with cats. And so Grace happened to be a cat lover. I really am not a cat lover. So this picture is of a palette of fresh step cat litter. And you know, this was one of the funniest moments Grace and I had together. We had so many of them, but this was, this certainly is in the top 10. So this is at Sam's Club. We got tasked with going to Sam's Club, which we often did together. And so we get to the, we got to buy the cat litter. And I said, Grace, look at that. Look at the name of that. So this is the kind, this is the brand my wife wants. I said, we could make millions. All we have to do is change the name. We do the exact same packaging, but just change the name from fresh step to last step. Guys would be lining up outside to, to buy last step cat litter. The guys like me that really don't care for cats. And then, of course, the wife says, well, what what happened? The cat's dead. And she looks at the packaging. Oh, my gosh. And you think, oh, no, I bought the wrong cat litter. Oh, you know, golly gee, beef. <laughs> so anyway, Grace got that, which, you know, that was the most fun thing about her. You know, people think somebody with Down syndrome doesn't get stuff like, you know, the dad type humor, but she got it. And so even though her and I had different perspectives of cats, you know, we we merged those and we really had fun with it. And of course she won because we have two cats. Uh, you know, I grew up in a, on a farm. Cats were a necessity because they they have a job to do. But now, I mean, they just lay around all day. So that's why I don't get it. Anyway, so now the next picture, Don, if you want to bring up is, this is Grace. Uh, she, she uh, you can't recognize her here because she decided to change her identity. And so this was her scare costume. All of a sudden she comes down the steps one day in this whole getup that she, she put together. So, all right. So with that being said, let's bring on Scott Nugent uh, because Scott changed identities. And so that's the, <laughs> how do you like that connection, Scott? So you want to tell people, tell people just a little bit about you and then we'll dive into the, dive into the show. 
Well, sure. I'm a 50 year old transgender man. I started to medically transition at 42. Um, you know, kind of went through so so many of the complications, finding out that medical transition is experimental, it's dangerous, doesn't cure anything, and it causes massive health issues. Uh, unfortunately, society's not not you know privy to that because mainstream media won't, won't cover it, and that and that's the truth, regardless of of how somebody thinks. Those are the facts. Yeah, very good. Uh, so what I want to do this is this is going to be really a neat um, podcast because what where scott where scott's story started so by the way i'm using a new camera today not a new camera but just a different setup so i've got two screens going so if you see me turn my head i've got some notes over here and then over here is the camera looking at scott so when i switch gears it's just because i'm looking at some notes so where scott's story became alive is that uh, what is a woman was released in June of 2022. So then millions of people heard his story of late. He's been on the interview circuit. And so, of course, I am uh, very fortunate to have him on this program, given how busy he is. So by way of introduction, for those of you who have not heard Scott's story in some degree of detail, Stu Peters, I thought, did a great introduction to Scott when Scott was on his show. So I'm going to, Don, will you roll the Stu Peters clip, please? So last week, Elon Musk's new version of Twitter had a big moment. The Daily Wire announced that to commemorate the one-year anniversary of their documentary, What is a Woman?, that they would show it for free exclusively on their Twitter account. Unsurprisingly, some forces inside Twitter tried to flag this as offensive and prevent the movie from being widely shared. But extraordinarily, Elon Musk intervened personally to change things and actually pinned What is a Woman? at the top of his own Twitter account. Thanks to that and other people sharing it, the post with the film ended up being seen by more than 150 million people. Now, we don't know exactly how many people watched the film itself, but it's safe to assume that it's many, many millions of people. This isn't just valuable in turning the tide against transgender insanity. Specifically, Elon Musk did something that no other CEO has been brave enough or has the balls to say. He explicitly said that it's acceptable to misgender someone. That is, you can say that Rachel Levine is not Rachel at all, but in fact, a mentally ill man called Dick. You can say that Dylan Mulvaney is really a man just pretending to be a woman, and that's not hate speech or misinformation as the totalitarian left insists that it is. No, it's just the God's honest truth. Now, one of the central figures of what is a woman is Scott Nugent. Despite the name, Scott is biologically female, a mother of three, and until just a few years ago went by the name of Kelly King. Surprisingly, late in her life, Kelly got enveloped into the transition industrial complex. She underwent a series of extremely invasive surgeries to try to appear as a man. Of course, no surgery can actually change a person's sex. It can only change superficial physical characteristics while imposing enormous financial and physical costs. The medical complications of Kelly's transition ultimately included a pulmonary embolism, a stress-induced heart attack, sepsis, a 17-month recurring infection, damage to her lungs, her bladder, insomnia, PTSD, hallucinations, and a whole lot more. The total financial burden has exceeded a million dollars and cost Scott her home, her car, her career, and her marriage. And yet, despite all of this, she still can't sue the fake doctors who led her into this trap. All she could do is try to save others from following the same path. She's doing everything that she can to save teenage girls from being led into the same trap that she was. Okay, with that introduction, we're so Scott calls himself trans man. I've titled this show Trans Man Shatters the Trans Agenda. And 
Scott's bio is going to be in the show notes, but what I, I did in preparation, I went to his website. He is a very creative writer. He's got a lot of neat things on the website. And I want to read something out directly from the website before we start going into questions. So this is directly from Scott's website. He quotes, I will never let anyone intimidate me into giving up my grasp of reality again, never again. And what's more, I have a vengeance now. I have a soul mission. I will never let what happened to me happen to another child. It's not about preventing someone from pursuing the surgeries and sex mimicry that constitutes transgender medicine. I'm all for grown, grown adults doing whatever they want. But there is nothing, no way in the manner of informed consent right now for people to make intelligent decisions about mind-blowing illusion and mirage of transgenderism. If I, a successful sales executive who understood intimately the methods of psychology that are being used to sell something could be sucked into this con, let me tell you something that everyone knows but is too terrified to say. The kids don't stand a chance. So, wow, I just thought that was that was well-written. So, Scott, if you wouldn't mind just giving a very short version of how you were duped, your story, and then we'll jump into some questions. Sure. Um, you know, at, at 42, I, I was no different than, than anybody else, right? We, we all want to fit into some kind of uh, part of society. And we have these little sub-tribes. We have, you know, feminists, we have gays and lesbians, and we have evangelicals, and we have conservatives and all that kind of stuff. I wish we'd get rid of that and just, you know, be human beings. But I was no different. Unfortunately, like uh, these children that are believing that they are transgender, I had uh, quite a few of the comorbidities. You know, you could say I was no overachiever. So these children that are medically transitioned uh, in high majority are same-sex attracted. They are mentally gifted. Uh, they are autistic, uh, which is which is a really, really big one. That's the biggest one for the girls. Um, they are mentally ill. They're abused. So there's all these comorbidities that come together that really make you feel more outside of, of the realm of, of not fitting in. So at 42, I was in a vulnerable place and, uh, you know, saw the hype of, of, you know, medical transition. And, you know, I call them the unicorn farts and the glitter bombs of, of just, you know, like Candyland, which it's, you know, Vietnam War to, to medically transition and ends up you know making everything worse. Um, but I was in a vulnerable place. I was married to a, a, a woman who was you know, despised being a lesbian, didn't want to be a lesbian and kind of soothed herself with the idea that she was uh, just in love with me and that I was a man trapped in a woman's body. It was a joke that we used to, you know, say for years. But unfortunately, the the contagion kind of hit in. And one day I was like, well, maybe I was born in the wrong body. Uh, next week, I was in front of a trans woman therapist that asked me how long I had been dressing like a man. Now, I was a business sales executive. I, I mean, I did hair and nails in, in my 20s, uh, you know, makeup artist. So that was that was a joke. Uh, looking back on it, I can't believe that that just kind of tore me down to to you know like a four year old. But so I got caught in the contagion and uh, coming out of the contagion, almost you know dying from from this. I kind of made a vow with God that if I was able to be here for my children, I, I would fight for yours. So, wow. So do you think that a person can be born into a wrong body? I mean, so you fell for that trap, basically, that hook. But I mean, what do you believe now? 
Well, here's the thing. You know, the, the, the human brain is so susceptible to things. We think that we are so far superior and we can see around so many corners that we just can't see around. Our, our brain only believes what you tell it. So if you tell it something over and over and over and over again and re you remove all, all other uh, kind of beliefs and you just hear that over and over and over again, you know, you have a tendency to, to, to believe that, right? Um, until somebody comes up and says something different. So our, our media, whether or not people really want to recognize it or not, I mean, I've got a speech on, on Twitter that has over 22 million hits. Uh, and, you know, what has a woman got just under 200 million? And all those followers with Elon Musk, you know, forwarding that, nobody famous forwarded mine. That that speech is 22 million and still mainstream media won't, won't cover that. And the reason why they won't cover that is because there's so much money to be made in in medical transition um and how they do that is by keeping out other you know other perspectives so so let's let's take this on do i believe that people can be born in the wrong body absolutely not it's hogwash you know biology is biology uh, so the truth is been programmed they're programming people to believe that instead are. of yeah the fact is i mean either god says either we're a man or a woman you can't deny that well, sure. And and then you have gender, which is like a kind of a social struct, uh, construct of what females are expected to be and look like and what males are expected to be and look like. Now, that that's the issue right there. Uh, you know, 70 percent of, of people fit into those stereotypes because those stereotypes, they cover an enormous amount. You know, men on, on majority are are this way and, and women on majority are this way. But what about the 30 percent that just don't fit in? And so those are the people that are getting tied to this. So the truth about medical transition um, is that it's cosmetic surgery. It doesn't fix anything. Um, it causes massive damage to the health. It's experimental. It's dangerous. Um, but adults should be able to do cosmetic surgery if they want. Now, if a woman goes in getting a breast augmentation with the idea that it's life-saving after it, she's going to be devastated when she finds out that, Hey, it, it's not life-saving. Uh, same thing with a man getting, you know, hair plugs or whatever. It, it needs to be offered. It needs to be safe. It's not safe. It's, it's not life-saving, but convincing everybody out there in the world that it is, well, you know, that unlocks, uh, the, yeah. the money would would make people pass out if they understood how much money was was involved in this. I actually want to go into that next. But beforehand, you know, this clip that I'm going to have Don play next, Scott, you specifically asked me to have Don take you off the screen for this clip because it's hard. I don't, for you yeah, to I don't like that clip. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Don, can you take Scott off the screen while this next clip is played and then we'll bring him back on? For the first time in history, a marginalized group has a huge dollar sign on the top of their head. We have five children's hospitals in the United States promoting that. What? That's a phalloplasty. That's a bottom surgery. We have five children's hospitals in the United States telling girls that they can be boys at $70,000 a pop in a surgery that has a 67% complication rate. That will kill me from infection that I can't sue on. We're butchering a generation of children because nobody's willing to talk about anything. I have three kids at the age that they're doing this to kids. I'm not transphobic. 
I love my kids and I love other people's kids and you should too. This is wrong on so many levels. All right, Don, can you bring Scott back in, please? Yeah, I can well, see that. I, I, I saw all of it. I saw, I don't, I don't know how many times I have to tell podcasters not to show that clip. People seem to think that, that watching that clip or doing that clip somehow is easy. Every time you guys play that for me, do you guys realize what that does to me? I'm telling you, I, I asked you nicely not to play it. I mean, I, I never even watched the fucking movie because of that. And that's the fifth time that I've seen it. Yeah, my my motivation of doing it is that I want people to get a grip as if your motivation is doing it. My motivation is, is peeling my chest and peeling my heart and soul and losing everything that I have, not making any money doing this, trying to survive and buying butter for my kids and watching this over and over again. And the only thing I ask is not to watch that. Can you dive into Scott the money, the detail? I know you you've done the research, and you know so when somebody sees this agenda, they would think, well, what's the reason? Why is this transgender agenda being pushed on children? It makes no sense whatsoever, other than if you can connect the dots with the money. So you you alluded to the money is huge, but can you drill that down so people can get a grip as to the amount of money and who's behind this thing you bet let me go let me go further just for everybody else's saving everybody else's kids you betcha uh, i can't believe you played that clip i well Scott, when you and I talked beforehand, you know, I, I had shared that and that's why you had asked, can Don take me off the screen? That was my, that was how I thought we could thread the needle. You know, I certainly wasn't, didn't, don't want to offend you. That's not the goal here. I would like to have people understand what is going on. And, you know, when I saw that clip, I thought, oh my gosh, this really connects the dots uh, because it seems like people... The only way dots are connected in our world, it seems to me, is when somebody has to go through it themselves. I mean, I know that with Grace's hospital murder. You know, we keep telling the story over and over and over. It seems like nobody gets it. Do they have to, honest to God, go through this themselves for them to wake up? And, you know, so I share a lot of details because I want to do it as an opportunity to wake people up so they don't have to go through it. And I know you want to do the same. And when I had listened to that clip the first time, I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is an exact wake up call that, you know, it shows, it shows the, the intensity of this and it connects the dots for people. So anyway, I, I it does. And I think you're a nice person. Uh, and if I didn't think that at all, I, I would be walking up. But I'll tell you this. I won't watch that clip again. So Kevin or whoever's watching or, or whoever's doing your thing, if that shows up on another podcast and I watch that, I'm walking off. I'm walking off. It's too hard for me to watch. There's only so much that people can expect from me. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about the money. Um, in, in Texas in 2015, there was a gender clinic in, in um, Dallas called Genesis Gender Clinic. Uh, and what, what, year was, what year was it? 2015. 
Okay. Um, now, in 2015, in correlation, our governor, uh, which is an anti-LGBTQ, anti-same-sex marriage, you know, which I'm totally okay with. I'm a lot of of gay people or same-sex attracted or whatever you want to call us are okay with that. Uh, again, our voices don't get lifted. We just have, you know, everybody with the radical unicorn farts and glitter bomb people, uh, you know, the perverted mongers of the LGBTQ seem to, you know, kind of ravage our, our, our news. That's not how most of us feel. So if somebody doesn't agree with homosexuality. I'm totally okay with that. But our governor, very, I don't call people bigots. He is actually one uh, when it comes to to that side. So just think of him as as very, uh, you know, anti-gay and lesbian, anti-trans, anti-everything, anti-this. And Governor Abbott in 2015 started taking money from a gender clinic that was siphoned through uh, Southwest UT and it siphoned through UT Medical Center in the tune of $2.4 million in 2015. Now, in 2015. For a, for a campaign or what is, what's the reason he took it? Uh, it was a campaign. It was a donation, basically. All right. Yeah. So um, in, in 2015, the gender clinic had 22 kids on the roster that were on puberty blockers. Now, puberty blockers are eight times more profitable when they're prescribed to children. Uh, it's a black box drugs, all that kind of stuff. Don't have a lot of time to go into it, but that's just the truth. Uh, so 22 kids on, on a four-year spread, which is what these children are usually on puberty blockers for, is a tune of about $4.6 million in profit. So think of in 2015, we got $4 million, right? Think of in 2015, our governor started taking you know millions from a gender clinic. In 2017, that, that increased by 4,000% just with this one gender clinic. Now, this one gender clinic uh, that increased 4,000% percent with with who they were you know putting on puberty blockers it went from a 4.6 million dollar uh, profit margin to just under 100 million dollars now um that is an enormous amount of money to to pay people off with so far that you know last year we had a bill that went through and four days before that bill was going to go through to ban the medicalization of children our governor took another $250,000 check and basically got on the floor and, you know, took the t time to have kudos with the LGBTQ. We need to love each other. And they pushed that bill off. So it was uh, that bill wasn't even, you know, put on the floor to 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 vote on with, you know, the medically transitioning kids. We had another the year. Governor, of the governor stepped in to stop the bill to ban to ban this in Texas. Yes. Oh, yes, he did. Um, not this year, last year he did. Uh, and then four months after that, he, he did this press conference with the idea that, hey, medically transitioning children is child abuse. Well, it was child abuse when you started taking money in 2015. It was child abuse when you took money in 2016, 17, 18. It was child abuse when you took, you know, $250,000 four days before the bill. Uh, yeah. But somehow, you know, he's he's in as, you know, stopping the medicalization of children. Um, so finally the bill passed i mean i won't go into it um but there's a whole bunch of things with that but this is why we're having problems is because we have politicians that are being bought off we have uh pharmaceutical corporations that i believe are paying everybody off we have media that is not covering this and if you take this from from a strategic standpoint so in 2015 we had 98,000 kids that thought that they were medically transitioned in 2017 that jumped uh, doubled. We're just under 350,000 kids here in the United States, just in the United States, who feel like they are transgender and in need of medical transition. If we take all that profit mar model over a year span, you know, over a lifetime span of these children, if all of these children were medically transitioned, that would be $500 billion. And that's just the money for the kids that we would medically transition this year.
it keeps going up. Uh, the money is beyond um, beyond out of control. It's the biggest profit model in in the medical industry, in the pharmaceutical industry. They have, you know, everybody's fighting for them to do this. People think it's about human rights. The money is astronomical. And it's one of the reasons why, um, you know, my voice is never lifted. And I have to do things like the stuff that you just played because I know how to change people's hearts and minds. I did it for, for a living. And this topic cannot be changed by people that are talking to people about things that they already agree with. You can't have the conservative evangelicals screaming about the medicalization of children. Nobody's going to believe them, but all the people that already believed them in the first place, the people that are going to get people's attention is me. And, you know, to do that, I can't be attached to any subtribe. So I have to be out here, you know, sacrificing everything to save other people's kids on top of peeling my chest because nobody is adulting better. Nobody's going to stand up and, and risk losing their job or losing their political form or lose. Everybody's waiting for the time when it makes sense for them to scream louder when it's, you know, uh, you know, they don't want to lose everything. They just want me to lose everything. That makes that makes sense. I mean, you you're on a mission and you need to stay on that mission. And you're right, not become part of a subtribe. I'm the, not. The I watched you on an interview and you connected the dots that it is actually the gay community that kind of got this started because they they got a status. And so then then you know, so now that they had the status, they ran out of energy so then this got started can you can you frame that you know I, this, that's not sure. my that's not the lane i'm in so when i heard it i thought oh wow that is a yeah that's interesting. so it here's the sense. thing here's the thing we 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 spent decades fighting for um gay and lesbian rights now regardless of how you feel about homosexuality i think there's righteous rights of human beings uh righteous rights would be to love whom you loved as an adult uh to another adult not have to worry about losing your job, not have to worry about uh, losing your home, to be able to live where you want, love where you want, uh, that type of stuff. Those were the things that we were fighting for. And how we got those rights were we had the righteous gays and lesbians that came up that led this, that basically took decades for us to convince that, hey, we're not after your kids. We're not a recruiting agency. We're a small, we're a you know, soft place to fall for um, adults and adults only. We just want rights that should be rights for everyone. Well, in 2015, uh, the worst thing that could have ever happened in activism, because activism is a business, had no clue, just realized that about a year ago. Activism is a business. And the worst thing happened for the gay and lesbian community activist center, the donation center, which is we won. We won it all. We, we had nowhere else to go. So you saw LGBTQ organizations all over the world uh, that were kind of shutting down or, or you know, you know, kind of shriveling. In the UK, Stonewall, which is one, a huge organization, filed bankruptcy in 2015. In uh, 2016, they had a 32 percent year over year growth. And they didn't do anything. They didn't. They didn't. You know, put a product out. They didn't have anybody speaking for them. There wasn't any anything going on. So why did they have a thirty-two percent year-over-year growth when they were about to claim bankruptcy? Well, they signed on with Mermaids. Well, Mermaids is a leading organization. The organization that came out with a gingerbread, you know, 
kind of, you know, gingerbread gender thing, you know, if a boy likes a pink, he's a girl. And if a girl likes boy, you know, if a girl likes blue, he's, you know, she's a boy, all that kind of stuff, all that crap that he signed, they signed on to, to promote mermaids. And, and that's the truth. That is the absolute unequivocal truth, 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 truth. Well, did that surely, frame it okay? Yeah, you did a great job. I mean, surely we see what God warns. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Absolutely. Oh, boy. All right, Don, can you bring up the first page of this post? I want to. All right. So, Scott, you can see this and you know, we're not going to read it. That's not the point. But I just wanted. So this is the type of propaganda that's going on. And I just wanted to get your perspective of this propaganda in terms of how lost we are as a society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're lost. For, we're lost for several, several reasons. Um we're lost for money. Um, we're lost for power. And the most significant thing and reason why somebody is going to look at that and, and and not say anything is because, um, you know, for for 50 years, everybody saw the 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 gay and lesbian stories. Right. And they saw the the conversion therapy. They saw all the pain, regardless, again, of how you feel about homosexuality. The the truth is, if we want to separate it, and I know if, if you don't agree with it, it's too bad. Just like, you know, you can't change biology. You know, you can't you cannot take somebody who is uh, attracted to the same sex and put them through therapy and have them come out and go, yep, that fix it. Who we're attracted to doesn't change. Conversion therapy doesn't change. We know that with that. Those are what the study says. Now, it doesn't mean that somebody can't come out of therapy and go, you know what? I really don't want to be in a same sex relationship. I'm going to be in an opposite sex relationship. I'm going to tell the person I'm with and be open and upfront. And I'm not going to do it because of my religion. But conversion therapy doesn't work. And we've seen all the horrids that happens with that, regardless of how you feel. So that is how society is conditioned, right? right now right well they're taking transgenderism and they're placing it right on top of the of the idea that it's just like homosexuality and it's not and so what flips people's brains is when i say you know the evangelicals what they fought for for 50 years and they lost uh you know the conversion therapy idea uh if we take transgenderism and we take that same ideology from evangelicals and we place that right on top of transgenderism they're right about that. Evangelicals, you're right about that with, with trans. But unfortunately, that narrative, that pain, it seems to be correlated with the same idea that has to do with, with homosexuality. So the first thing that we need to do to get people to, to open up and to understand that this is wrong is by doing and re the reason why I stand alone and don't go into any subtribe, because when this actually comes out, how this is going to stop, there's only one way that this is going to stop and and stop well it's going to stop when the carnage comes over but if it's if we are going to stop it faster the only way that we can stop it is have a room full think of the whole world as one room full of people and there's a there's one person that's a leader and that points to that person and says that's an evangelical that's a gay person that's a transgender person, that's a liberal person, that's a conservative person, that's a black person, that's a white person, that's a Chinese person, it's a Chinese gay person, that's a Chinese straight person. We are all here within this room. So you can no longer call us a bigot about the transgender debate. Now, let's talk about facts once we pull that bigot word out. And nobody that's in that room for 10 minutes walks out of that room 
thinking that medically transitioning children is a good idea. Unfortunately, we have too many people making money with creating these subtribes. I call it divide and prosper. You know, no yeah. left, no left. I trust the left. They trust the left. That's a business model. It's not successful. It's lazy. It's lazy activism. Woke, unwoke. I'm telling you, uh, that's another thing. Somebody says woke, unwoke on a podcast. I walk off. It's one of the reasons why we're transitioning kids too. Um, yeah, divide and prosper. I really like that. Because that is that is divide clearly what is happening. Uh, yeah, divide and prosper. You know the the conversion therapy. You know I, this is the first I I've heard of that because you know my sheltered little life. Uh, but you know I would think just intuitively conversion therapy would never work because it doesn't deal yeah. with the heart. You know God deals with the heart, so you can't do some conversion therapy and think you're going to change change somebody. It doesn't make sense. You'd be using men to solve a, a heart problem. Um, I want to share another. And if I pull, let's let's pull your daughter into it, who who has Down syndrome, yes. right? You can't send her to therapy, or you couldn't have sent her to therapy to to get over uh, a Down syndrome. You can't take her to church and pray for her to get over Down syndrome. Being homosexual on on the majority now, there are. This is why I get you know people have no idea how to take me because I do think that you can be. I think that you can be pushed to think that you're gay. I think you can be pushed down that way. I think there's perverted people that do so. Um, but true, there are people that are born same sex attracted, and it's no different than somebody being born with Down syndrome. You're not going to take that away. So the question is: is what do we do with that? from a righteous point of view what do we do with homosexuality with the idea that you're never going to get rid of it it's intrinsic in some people some people are conditioned that way how do we make sure that people aren't conditioned to that because that's wrong how do we get it out of our school system because that's wrong so uh, you know there, there's a whole messy thing that, that society's not talking about anything because there's too many social media stars making too much money on dividing and prospering yeah, well, that's, boy, you just set a, a mouthful that I need to do a little bit to unpack. So work with me on this. The, you know, so Down syndrome. So Grace obviously was born with Down syndrome. There's no therapy that's going to change that. Uh, there's no surgery that's going to change it because it's a was a chromosomal uh, situation. You know, society is trying to eliminate Down syndrome. Uh, some societies around the world have in the United States, they're doing... Um, their best effort to do it. And you know, I've uncovered some documents that I've shared, you know, Down syndrome, people are murdered at the rate of 67% before they're born in the United States. But there is a difference between, you know, so how do you come, you know, so the standard I come from is I have to have a reference point as to what's true. And my reference point as to what's true is the scripture. And so if the scripture is the, you know, so a person that says scripture is the the truth versus somebody that says scripture isn't the truth, you know, that becomes something that becomes a piece of this. So like when you compare Down syndrome to somebody being gay, you know, both people, you know, so Grace was born with Down syndrome. And, you know, so the gay person was born with a propensity to like the same sex. Okay, so in that regard, that would be the same. The difference is God doesn't call Down syndrome a sin versus he calls 
homosexuality a sin. So how do you reconcile that? I mean, I, I, I'm curious because I know on your, you, you, you bring up God regularly, but how do you reconcile that with what the scripture says? Well, um, I don't, I'm not a Christian. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I think, I think that the scripture is, is BS, uh, quite frankly. Um, I think that religion in general is an ideology, no different than gender dysphoria. I think it's, it's the same thing. Do I believe that there's a God? Yes. Do I have all the answers? No. Um, do I think that homosexuality has, you know, taken a really, really a lot of turns? Yes, that are bad. Do I believe that there are good people that are homosexual? Absolutely. Do I believe that there are homosexual people that are born uh, homosexual and can't change that? Yes. Um, but, you know, to, to talk on your talk track, we talk about, you know, God makes everybody perfect. So if you're same sex attracted, how is that not perfect? So so how is how is your daughter perfect in an imperfect you know body? And how is how is a homosexual imperfect or perfect in a in an imperfect but i mean where do you want to go with this so yeah you know, i don't i don't see god making everybody as perfect i mean the bible would say just the opposite we're imperfect you're and speaking, you're speaking about the bible now you have to when you're when you yeah. speak with me you got, you got to remove that those are what i call unicorn farts and glitter bombs those are things that you go back to to make yourself right if you want to have a debate we can have a debate about science and a science only. But once you start bringing unicorn farts in, I bring unicorn farts in and then nothing makes sense. You know, so so what we can prove is what we can prove. You're talking about an ideology. Ideologies, in my opinion, are bad. Is God bad? No. Do I believe that there is a God? Yes, I believe there's something. I don't think any human being on the face of the earth, you or anybody else, has any clue what God is or what God has for us. But we've been trying to for the beginning of time coming up with the idea that that we have the whole god thing figured out and everybody seems to think i'm right and you're wrong well in the process, <laughs> in, that, in that way we're boy we are really on the same page because i think i don't think it has an ideology at all in fact i think it's, the word religion i think is complete bs like you yeah. called it and i say that because um you're, all the denominations are trying to figure God out. I don't think anybody can figure God out. Nope. And, nope. you know, so I, religion, so I'll just define this so you understand where I'm coming from when I'm talking, is religion is man's way to reconcile with God, or you could say man's way to figure out God. And the opposite, complete opposite, Jesus was the most anti-religious person who ever walked the face of the earth. So faith is the opposite. Faith is God's way to reconcile with man. So God makes every effort to try to to have man reconcile with him. And that's, you know, that's the simplicity of the gospel message. You know, when I read the Bible, it took me well, it took me a long time, you know, years to have it percolate through my logical brain and, you know, and then, you know, when I saw the you know, because I'm analytical, Scott, and I think you're analytical too. We're going to go through some statistics I next because I think it's real important that people understand these statistics. But you know, the analytical part of me had to prove it, right? You know, so and so when I saw the the Old Testament prophecies all pointing to one person, and that's you know God's Son Jesus, and that He fulfilled those prophecies. 
it's like, oh, you know, that my, my analytical side that, you know, so once I accepted that and realized, okay, it's, it's impossible. Only God could do this. And, our brain, our brain can be convinced of, of, uh, a lot, a lot of stuff. And, you know, we're not going to agree on this. Um, you just spoke a lot about what I call unicorn farts, the transgender community. If I had a transgender person here, they probably would have gotten up and walked away and did all that kind of stuff because they believe in their ideology. So what we're doing right now is what I call adulting better. We don't agree. Yep, and, and that's, uh, yeah, and what and what we what we do agree on is is statistics, complications, suicide, which you've done the research on, and I want you yeah. to share that. Uh, first, before we do that, before we do that, I want I want Don to bring up the um, president's executive order, day one in office. Sure, uh, sure. I mean, yeah. This was like, I mean, it's like, what is going on here? He just certified the whole agenda. Right. So anyway, your comment about his executive order, and then I want to move on to the statistics. Um, well, I, I can't see that. Hold my glasses on. What is it? Well, this is when uh, President Biden first day in office said, uh, if you're a man, you can compete in women's sports and, you know, all it's like, what? What is going on here? The whole idea of, of gender um becoming it, a whole group that now we have to we have to protect and the whole transgender movement really got launched officially on a presidential level on January 20th of 2021 how how far do you want to get into this rabbit hole because there's so many there's so many reasons why for that you know the one thing well, is money and uh, enough that people can get their arms around it so yeah. what i generally like to do on a podcast is give people enough information that they can, you know, that they can start researching. So they become awake and say, okay, I get this. I believe this rabbit hole. Now I can choose to go down it or not, but at least they become awake to it. So we've, we've got the money aspect, right? Yeah. Uh, there's another aspect to this that, that I don't talk about a lot because it's, it's, it, it's so salacious and it's so, you know, it gives so much power uh, to the idea that, you know, it's, I don't like going, but here's, here's another truth. Um, the majority of transgender women, so they are men, right? They are men that like to wear dresses and, you know, wear makeup and all that kind of stuff. And we've got this rigid box of, of what males and females are supposed to be. Uh, there is an enormous percentage of these women uh, or of these men uh, that have uh, a sexual fetish called gyne uh, gender gynophilia. I can never say it right. Uh, gyna, gen, anyways, um, the, the fetish. I, I, I have that problem with a lot of words too. So. The the fetish is is this is it's straight men. So we think of of people that are medically transitioning as as you know gay because conversion therapy, right? You know, so a very effeminate man, you know, automatically somehow becomes a gay man, which is not true. There's tons of gay, uh, effeminate men that you know have that kind of personality that are very straight. We need to stop thinking uh, of that about people and putting them in boxes. But um, we think of a, of effeminate guys as as a gay man, right? And not always true, uh, but. The people, the 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 men that are pushing this, the the trans women that are pushing this, a majority have that fetish, and that fetish uh, is basically the fact that they are aroused by the idea of being a woman. Follow me here. 
in a relationship with a woman, being a sexual object and then being in a relationship. So basically their fetish is to be seen as lesbian. So you see people like the secretary of state that's married to a woman or, um, you know, uh, other you know, famous transgender people, one of the richest people in the world, the billionaire that is the the cousin to the Iowa governor is had, you know, is is a perfect example of this. So we have these men uh, that don't want to lose their erections. So they lose their erections by you misgendering them. So you you see the videos of the it's ma'am, it's ma'am. That's what I'm talking about. That that offensiveness that comes up that ah is is basically it's a it's a sexual fetish you're 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 you know you're affecting their erection um so that's where the misgendering comes in that's where the misgendering starts that's where the veracity starts now these straight men uh that have this have a lot of money one of the richest people in the world is a transgender woman look it up I'm not going to give you her name look it up just go richest uh, richest transgender woman in the world is one of actually the richest people that is underneath all of this. So we've got so a that sexual person fetish. Went, that person went through this, the surgeries and the similar situation to you, but just the opposite. Well, a lot of them, you know, a lot of them don't even go through the whole surgeries. You know, I mean, that comes with the whole, the whole um, identity thing, the whole, um, basically this is my identity that's where that all stems from and again <laughs> and again we've got transgender people uh just like i say gays and lesbians that feel exactly the way i do most of them feel the way i do who wants to come out and talk about it lose their job lose everything they've ever worked for you know basically get made fun of get threatened death threats all that kind of stuff to save other people's kids when their kids are safe you know, so we've got all the, you know, to do this, you got to stand out in the middle and just get absolutely just beat the holy hell uh, by everybody uh, to try to make people aware. So that that is the cornerstone of, of, of a lot of this. So we've got the money, we've got the fetish, and then underneath it, we've got the fact that, hey, wait a second, you know, the gay people are, you know, we are, we're in style right now. So now they're trying to infiltrate our school system. So in school systems in the United States, whether or not people want to agree with it or not, there's a, there's a book in school systems right now where it talks about two boys giving each other. And society has no clue about it. None. And, and we're arguing about, you know, the only thing that we're focusing on is trans women and women. I mean, it's ridiculous what's going on. It's absolutely ridiculous. What about the statistics, the complications, the suicide rates of people yeah. going through this? Can you drill that down for the audience? Sure. So um, so one of the, the main I call talk tracks. Talk tracks are, are just things that people say over and over and over again. Your brain starts to believe them over and over and over and over again. Um, are, we're very, very susceptible, uh, you know, susceptible to that. One of the talk tracks is to, uh, well, it's better to have an alive daughter than a dead son. Yes. So just think of having, uh, just thinking having a son that is, is very, very suicidal, just very this or that you go into a professional and you sit down and the professional that has all you know stuff behind him, you know, says, uh, well, you know what, uh, mom, dad, it's better to have an alive daughter than a dead son. Just imagine those parents just standing up going, thank you for your time. Send us your bill. We're going to choose death. We're going to go get a coffin for junior uh, because we would we would rather have a dead son uh, than an alive daughter. So thank you very much. I mean, where do you go from there? It's like a hog tying kind of a thing. Um, so that's been the cornerstone of 
of medically transitioning children. Now, here's the kicker. It's so they're starting with they're starting with a lie. So that lie, then where do you go with that lie? But yeah, keep going. Yeah. So they're saying that now um, on the internet and all that kind of stuff, you can't find the truth. You can on my website, scottnugent.com. There's only seven studies that say that medically transitioning children are beneficial. Every single one of those studies has been retracted with, oops, we're sorry, we were wrong, or uh, modified with not enough kids, not enough time, uh, sorry, uh, this is not true. Now, those are still the studies that are in the pamphlets that are being given to these, these parents, these gender clinics. Um, now, there's only one long-term study that has followed transgender people. Uh, that was a study done in Sweden. Now, Sweden's the leading, the leading country for, for the medicalization of human beings. By the way, uh, about four months ago, they shut down all medicalization of children. They were finding that girls' spines weren't freezing together properly, you know, walking like they're 90, not living past 30, early onset osteoporosis, infertility, um, you know, heart, lung damage, hearts and lungs, the sight of 11-year-olds at, at 19. On top of it, their mental health's getting worse. I mean, they shut it down. You know, here in the United States, we have a president younger faster um so this study in in sweden was from 1973 to 2003 now within that study they had 326 medically transitioned adults that they that they followed and here is what they found they found what everybody's talking about which is in the beginning when you start medical transition it's kind of like a fairy tale like oh my god you get to fit in uh well i don't feel like i fit in yet but once i start hormone blockers, I'll feel like I fit in. You take that in a while. That didn't help. Well, once I start, you know, synthetic hormones, you know, that's going to fit. Well, that didn't help. And then, you know, once I get top surgery, I, I, once people stop, Miss Bryant, I'll fit. so that's like a five or seven year process. So they found initially what these studies have found and is that it initially helps uh, mental health, you know, right? Um, but five to seven years later what they found was the highest point of suicidal ideation the odds that these children are going to kill themselves so we're, we're we're taking suicidal kids we're medically transitioning them we're giving them you know triple doses of cross-sex hormones during puberty uh, and then we're giving them a process that's going to tear their health up and in five to seven years make them the most suicidal well, we've been doing this for about five to seven years well guess what's happening google transgender you know su suicides it's happening the the suicide epidemic is happening but once again you're not seeing it in the media or you're seeing you know they killed themselves because society oh please you know please yeah. tell me a suicide epidemic of of a gay community you know because gay gay people have never been accepted we've always been you know pushed down and kind of spit on not now though now we're you know we're the opposite so the whole world's up well, that's that's an understatement. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know the the propaganda. Um, it has a way of accomplishing the narrative, regardless. I mean, so you know, you speaking out. If I can summarize, you tell me if I've got this right. I think I, you know, you've you've done, you've helped me understand this quite a bit more than what I knew because I was not introduced to it. I mean, I know what, you know, I see what's going on and I think, how in the heck did this even start? So it seems like it, it started or not, it didn't start this. It, it, the love of money has made this thing explode. 
And then if I understand your solution is that if the entire world understood what the consequences are in black and white, undisputable consequences, we could stop this. 10 minutes. In that, okay. So that is, boy, I, I, I get that. My analytical mind gets that. My, um, my, my spiritual side of me doesn't get it. And, but let me just explain, but I I actually want to quote something from your website because I think it's so critical that people get this because you, you, you put your finger on something that I think is critical, Scott, I'm just going to read this. Sure. Uh, So this is from Scott's website. It says, he writes, I'm not one for religion, which you and I already talked about that, but I do believe in God. I do know one thing that saves and that's reality telling the truth. The one thing I love about Matt Walsh is that he reminds me of the world that I grew up in, where you knew who you were dealing with. A black person once told me that they preferred the racism in the South because at least it was more honest. This is how I feel uh, around evangelicals sometimes. And so what I wrote to myself to comment is that I get that. I, I personally want to deal with reality, not pretense. And... Mm -hmm. In general, evangelicals bug me too, and it's because they're. It seems like they want to take, um, you know, for example, with COVID, the most evangelicals have a watered down version of Romans thirteen and fourteen, and so then you've just got to be nice to everybody. You can't call a spade a spade. Well, that's that, that certainly is not God's way. Jesus did it. You know, so I don't understand that. And that pretense around it, just, it drives me nuts. Um, and you also, you know, you've also said that you have good friends who are evan- evangelicals, which is, which, you know, I think is, you know, you seem to be welcoming in, in that regard. But, you know, what I, I just want to share my perspective um, because God, you know, I, of course, you know, now based on us talking, I believe that the Bible's true. And if the Bible's true, the Bible says we are inherently bad. We're not inherently good. And so these type of things that happen are a product of sin. So when sin comes into things, of course, men are going to be, they're going to do anything they can to build up piles of cash and they don't care who they hurt because that's the heart of a sinful man. So, you know, that's why, you know, I, the idea, my analytical mind says, yes, get everybody in a room, show them the facts. And I mean, then you bunch of dummies wake up, but I don't know that that is a real solution. I don't know that there is a real solution on this earth because God said Satan is the prince of this world. But I do know that if we don't start with some basis, so my basis has been, you know, what is sin? And then what is the solution to sin? And, you know, so once something is called sin and it's agreed that it's sin, the only way out of it is repentance. So anyway, that's just the, that would be the evangelical perspective, I guess. I, I, I don't even like that word evangelical. <laughs> you know, I just, I. How God, you stop this, how, how you stop this, how you stop this is this. Yeah. You get people to actually do things that don't benefit them at all, that actually hurt them. You have people that stand up and peel their chest and show emotions 
with nothing but negative in return. And you have one person do that over and over and over again to the place where nobody can look at that person and say, I don't believe them because the the honesty just pours out of them. It's the reason why I did what is a woman. It's the reason why everybody watches that is it is their their pull to that. What I'm trying to do is to get people to do the same thing. All I need is a couple of people that will do it, that have some some stature that will do it without their subtribe, that will stand in the middle and say on this, on this, we stand together. I grab Scott's hand and I, Scott grabs this person's hand and we grab people's hands and we don't agree. We need to get back to the time that we treat people like family and family means this. You have people in your family that you don't agree with, that politically don't align with you, that don't believe the same in homosexuality, don't believe the same in financial stature, don't believe in things like that. But you all come together for Thanksgiving and you just say, oh, that's crazy, Sarah, or that's this or that's that. But you love those people people because you know the core of them are decent people the core of most human beings not all the core of most human beings are trying to just survive we need to start treating people like family members we need to have disagreements like we're having right now we need to have conversations we need to we need to listen to things that hurt our feelings and listen to them anyways because we have created society and I always say this before I end, we are have created a society, such a blind spot that we are butchering, and I mean this, we are butchering children, mind, body, and soul, and making their mental health worse, and society cheers. Do something different, because what we're doing right now is not working. Well, boy, is that... That is very well said. I agree with you. And I I do think the agenda behind kids is satanic because if we can sterilize kids, if we can um, get them to lose their critical thinking, all these things, we just, we really, you know, Satan puts a stop to to everything. So, boy, you you did a great job. Some people are going, oh my God, that offends me. I don't think it's such, you know what? That's how you feel. And you know what? Take it, whatever your beliefs in it, because you're absolutely right. There's something out there, whether it be Satan or whether it be money or whatever, whatever it is. Stop being so offended that if you're offended by him saying that and just go, there is something wrong. Use whatever word you need to replace whatever he said that offended you, because what he said is right. Maybe the context doesn't fit within your brain, but grow up an adult better. I'm going to wrap up. And then Scott will come back to you for the final word. So those of you who have been watching for a while know that I always share a gospel message at the end. And and my wife found this clip that I really like. And so I'm going to have Don play this clip instead of me talking this time. And then we'll come back to Scott for the final word. Sounds good. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? 
If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense— I can't can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you 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 were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You'd never got baptized. You, ne- you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, uh, did you, Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor, Ranger. So, we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually, in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. <laughs> now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross— I can then give only lip service to its efficacy, while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out, and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's why Luther says most of your Christian life is outside of you, in this sense— that we know that we're not saved by good works. We're not saved as a result of our professions, but we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved. Sorry, I just took a sip of coffee right at the end, Scott. So you've got the final word, Scott. Go ahead. Doing here. Sometimes I feel like that's going to be me. It's like everybody, if, if you guys are all right, you guys are all going to be down there going down and be like, what the hell did I get in? You know, just be a decent person for God's sakes and start adulting better is all I have to say. And stop transing kids. What the hell is wrong with y'all? Scott, thanks for coming on today. It was really nice to get to know you. Have a fantastic you day. You too. I appreciate it. You take care. Thank you. Right. You too.
for further details, we return you now to your regularly scheduled program.